Hey everyone, so excited for you to join the Tilcom Baptist Church podcast today. We are just dropping the last sermon of the Lord's Prayer series from uh, what we've been doing this month. And if you want to hear the rest of them, you can go to our Facebook and listen to them. And we'd love to have you do that. But uh, I just want to let you know that you know our big ideas today in the sermon are that we need to depend on God to be able to overcome evil. And I'm really excited for you to hear this sermon. It's a little bit longer than what I usually preach on a Sunday, but sometimes when you feel like God is giving you a direction to continue speaking, you just keep going. So uh, I hope that you enjoy this. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out tillicombaptist at gmail.com and I'd love to engage you there. Uh, looking forward to hearing any feedback or if you'd like, like to share this uh, podcast with your friends or family, please do that. Rate and subscribe and tell us how we're doing. Uh, we're definitely going to be working to make as many improvements as possible, but we hope that you will give us grace and help us, uh, you know, help support us as we start this podcast out. Have a great day. I hope you enjoy the sermon. Our scripture reading this morning is 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. I think I didn't read that. It's okay. Sorry. No worries. First Peter. First Peter 5, 8 to 9. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Thank you. All right. So, glad to have you guys all here today. We are in our last section on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, it's a, I want to say, it's a topic that we definitely need to give consideration to, and we need to um, remember that our dependence is upon God. Uh, so our, you know, today we see evil all around us. It's a hard concept to sometimes give a concrete definition to you. But we know that it's an attempt of Satan and the fallen world to oppose God's kingdom. We know it and we and we see it constantly in front of us, okay? We see it on our televisions and computer screens, through terrorist attacks, through government corruption, and how people slander each other. We see how the entertainment industry normalizes vile lyrics um, in songs, degrading images, and, and immorality. Children and families are torn apart by apathy and violence and addictions, and churches even 
divide. There's disunity. And there's backbiting. And at times, people in churches have, have hurt people, the most vulnerable people that we're supposed to be serving. Um, and evil has been attached to humanity since Adam and Eve sinned, right? Evil is something that we can't get away from no matter how hard we try, no matter what systems we try to develop, no matter uh, what we try to do for ourselves, because there is always a tendency for acting in an evil way. Um, and the reality is, is that this can, this can lead to inequalities, it can lead to dishonesty, it can lead to uh, hurting that hurt that brings, that is caused to other people. So these examples of evil that I shared, like terrorist attacks or the, the vile song lyrics or just the hurt that happens in our own community are very up-in-your-face examples. Um, just this last week, I was greeted with uh, some graffiti that was laced on our, on our youth center just down the street here. And most likely, it was, has something to do with uh, gang activity with drug activity and I was really distraught because I was like you know that's just so unfair it's so just like promoting something that that is hurtful to other people and it just made me upset so I know that in preparing for this message that what I needed was a reminder from Jesus about the idea that we want to resist evil, that we have a hope that God will deliver us when evil things happen in our life. And uh, Jesus models this prayer for us in Matthew 6, 13. And if you'll, if you'll go there with me, um, Matthew 6, 13 says that, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And today, as we handle this topic, this passage from God's word, I want us to help us understand three things, okay? The three main points of today are God's role in dealing with the problem of evil, uh, how the Lord's prayer prepares us for the spiritual battle that we're in, and doing an inventory on our lives to make sure that evil doesn't go unchecked. Because if we leave it unchecked, we will act upon it. Okay? If we, if we open, if we don't keep checkpoints in our life to make sure that evil it doesn't influence us, so that we don't act upon evil, then we'll be uh, in trouble. So we need to understand this clearly and recognize that God leaves us with hope. So first off is God's role in dealing with the problem of evil. Now, we, we hear in this passage that Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. Now that word temptation might, might, give, might give you some surprise. Like, we know that God doesn't tempt and nor is he tempted by evil, James 1.13 says. But the word that is used here, uh, parasmos, it can refer to temptation 
for testing. And it's likely that, I believe, that the request that Jesus is making here is asking for God to spare us from testing or trials if it's his will. And we know that Jesus, being fully God and fully man, understood that as human beings, we don't like to go through hard things. We don't like to deal with suffering. But we, we know that the reality is, is that we do. We do suffer. We do deal with hard things. Evil does happen in our lives, either to us or through us. And we, we need to be uh, surrendered to God because he's the one who delivers us. If God allows us to go through a hard experience of testing or temptation, he will certainly lead us through it. He doesn't leave us alone. He didn't just create the world and, and then start spinning it and, and have his hands off. He has his hands intimately involved in our lives and in the world. And the reality is that God understands that we prefer not to suffer, right? But he gives us the opportunity for reliance on him, to persevere in our faith, and he, he has given us the opportunity through the transformed life that we, that we can live in him to overcome evil. And I love what the psalmist, what David says in Psalm 23. Psalm 23, 4. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, Jesus knows that we're going to go through hard things. He's not, it's not a surprise to him. But God, he doesn't just show up and say, hey, I'll be with you through the hard stuff. He says, I God is bringing his rod and his staff, which, if you don't know, are tools that shepherds use to defend their sheep. Okay? And God, he will defend us. He will go ahead of us. And he will work in our lives to deliver us from evil. Either now or in eternity. Because see, God, Jesus says, you know, he, he asks deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, uh, depending on what you're reading. And we all know that Satan is the one who authored evil. We all know this, that Satan is the one who is leading the charge against God and against his kingdom and against believers. And he is the father of lies. He's a thief. He's a murderer. And the reality is that God, he delivers us from evil through three primary ways, I believe. By helping us to stand against the devil's schemes. And we know that in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, uh, that Paul highlights the armor of God and what it does to help us to stand firm. And he also says that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is against those demonic forces in the heavenly, in the heavenly places that work to build strongholds against God and against his kingdom. And we know that they will be ultimately defeated. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a battle that's occurring right now. The second way is God does remove evil from the situations that we experience. And, and sometimes the way that God does that is, uh, is in ways that we are required to walk with him and, and 
really grow closer to him through prayer and fasting. And you know, there's that story in the Gospels where the disciples bring the demoniac to Jesus, and they say, Lord, we've tried to uh, you know, cast out this demon. What's going on? And Jesus says, look, this one is only one that comes out through prayer and fasting. And so just reminding ourselves that intimacy with God helps us to not only avoid evil, but to overcome it. And also that if you have sin in your life, that might be uh, unconfessed, that might be hindering you from walking with God in, in integrity, uh, it's, it's definitely necessary that you come to repent and turn the other way, to remove that sin from your life. Because, you know, that's a gateway that evil targets is, is unconfessed sin. But, you know, these, these, these uh, examples might need a little bit more of a concrete edge to it. See, there's a, there's a story of God, God removing evil from someone's experience that I think is pretty powerful. I have some friends who've worked uh, with Mercy Corps International. It's a relief organization, Christian relief organization that works to help people in natural disasters and to share the gospel and bring Christians together for service. And their headquarters in Portland uh, was previously a witchcraft shop. And you know why that's so interesting is because they felt led to go and pray against this activity that was going on in the shop. And for months they prayed that God give them that space to be able to uh, increase their capacity for service. And, and eventually the witchcraft shop closed and they moved in. See, God took a place that was used for darkness to be used for his light and for his love. And I believe that, that God has that power, that he can do that, that, that you know, we're, we're in process of growing closer to him. And when we see these testimonies and these victories, then we get the opportunity to praise God when he does uh, doesn't work amongst us. The third way that God delivers us from evil or from Satan will be at his great white throne judgment, which is detailed in Revelation 20, where the Satan, or Satan and his minions and people who have not followed God will be thrown into the lake of fire. And that and that we recognize that there is there is an eternity awaiting Satan where he will get his dues. God will have the last word. And this is what leads us into needing to have dependence on God is that we're in a waiting period between now and that time. And so we're experiencing evil that comes uh, from without and from within and that we're needing to have tools to prepare for the spiritual battle. And unfortunately, I believe that the Lord's Prayer actually offers us um, some ways that we can prepare a ready position for the spiritual battle that we're experiencing. So the first way that I believe that God does that, and like I had said earlier as we began the series, that there's six kind of motions uh, and movements of God's, of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus talks about, and this is where I'm kind of taking everything that we've, that we've discussed and learned about and 
hopefully that God's working out in our hearts and just culminating together to have, at the end of this prayer, what Jesus does in requesting for protection from help and help from God is the culmination of all of the uh, activity and awareness and acknowledgement and dependence that God wants from us. Um, and so, number one is addressing God in his rightful place as Father. You see, when we abide with God daily, when we're in his word, when we are growing in our time, our relationship with him, then our desires really become for God. Our, our desires really come from the place where the Holy Spirit is leading us to live a life that is changed and transformed and not a life that does evil or moves towards desires of the flesh like Gene shared in those verses earlier. And when we spend time with God, we get to know who he is and we get to have the opportunity to imitate and apply his word that he gives us. The second is worshiping God for who he is. You know, we worship God because he's holy. We worship God and because he is merciful, and we worship God because of all of his attributes that scripture um, points out. And, and I love that we get to just go to him and, and be thankful for who he is. And it doesn't, it's not necessarily even be like, okay, God, I'm thankful for what you do for me, but being thankful for who he is in worship. And, and one of the ways that we get to worship, obviously, is with song. And I know that maybe not everybody feels confident as a singer, um, and that's okay, but there's a great story in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas, they're imprisoned, and they spend all night uh, staying up, praying and praising God, and there is an immense earthquake, earthquake that rattles open the doors of the prison, and, uh, and then they, they notice that this happens, right? You can't not notice an earthquake. And it wakes up the whole jail, and even the jailer wakes up, and he's about to take his own life. But Paul says, no, don't do that, and he shares the gospel with him. And so not only is there a physical, uh, a physical answer to prayer of those, of those jail doors opening wide, but there is a spiritual victory here for the jailer and his family. They come to know Jesus, and they come to be baptized. And what an amazing thing that worship is a part of our spiritual warfare, and that breakthrough actually occurs. We have that. We have that description and that demonstration of what that looks like from Scripture. Thirdly, Jesus prays, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. And when we talked about this, this part of the Lord's Prayer, we talked about how uh, we're acknowledging that it's God's will and his plans that are in control and that his will will prevail, right? Not ours. The reality is, is that the best thing that we can do for God's will is to surrender our will, to give up our life for him because there's nothing worth more than a life well lived for Christ a life devoted to Christ. And, and the reality is, is we have some really great examples uh, in church history of, of people who have given up their life, but one that really sticks out to me personally is Jim Elliott, who 
was a missionary to the Aka Indians in Ecuador, and and uh, he actually went with a team of people who went to fly down there in the jungle to be able to proclaim Christ. And as they were trying to build a relationship with the tribe, they got out and they were martyred. And you, and that wasn't the end of the story, though. And if you want to know the end of the story, you should really watch uh, The End of the Spear because it's a great movie and it talks about what God did in the family in the families of Jim Elliott and his co-workers uh, to be able to spread the gospel to the Aka Indians. And uh, the reality is that we can have the same attitude, just like Jim Elliott wrote in his, uh, in his journal, that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You see, we don't get to keep our life. We don't get to keep our material possessions. We don't get to keep the, the things that we hold so dearly that are not uh, eternal things, right? The things that are done for Christ, the life that we live for him is what will last. And when we do that, we can't lose. We can't lose. And I think that um, if you know that there's a game-winning strategy of giving your life up for Jesus and for the gospel, and you don't go for that, and it's written down here in his word, and God does everything he can, right, to make that apparent and give us the message in our life, that's on you. But I really, I really am going to go for broke here, okay? I'm going to live my life so that I can lose, and I hope that you'll join me. The fourth thing, the fourth thing that Jesus asked for in this prayer is to give us today our daily bread. And in this, he is saying that we have a dependence on God for the things that we need. And here's the reality, is that if we give our trust or dependence on anything above God or other than God, it's idolatry. And we need to remember that, that putting our full trust in God doesn't just mean Putting, your, putting a mind and a heart that's aligned with God and his word, but it actually means living it out. And dependency on God for your daily bread, for being able to cultivate a heart of service, because when we have resources that God gives us, he actually wants us to uh, give those to others and to bless others and make sure that, you know, as we live in community, that we are showing the life of Christ that is supposed to be coming through us, okay? By being available and ready. And that's and that's important because being ready is what First Peter says, right? Be ready, be sober, be alert. And so we need to be ready uh, for the spiritual battle. And there's, there's a great um, opportunity here for making an impact by, by service, okay? By way of service. The fifth thing that Jesus says is to his Father, he says to the Father, is to um, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And last week, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be too long on this because it was just this last week, but um, I said that you know we need to live a forgiven life from God as a forgiving person towards others, and that we need to do that consistently, intentionally, 
and unconditionally. And I really, truly believe that God wants us to do that so we can model that forgiveness that he gives us to other people. And as we, and like I said, as we live a forgiven life, we're walking to live that out towards others. Lastly, and what verse 13 is really about is requesting protection and help in overcoming sin and Satan's attacks on us. And, you know, all of these things are related because the devil wants nothing more than for us to, to not be in a ready position for spiritual battle. Um, God wants us to rely completely and dependently on him uh, for overcoming sin and Satan's attacks on us. And when we try to live out in our own strength and we become misaligned from any of these things, then it becomes really hard to do, to do spiritual battle. And when you're experiencing uh, discomfort or discouragement or doubt, then here's the reality is that I would, I would encourage you to really think about, is there a place in here that I'm missing? Am I addressing God as Father and spending time with Him? Am I worshiping God and being, being thoughtful about who He is and His attributes and singing to Him? Am I acknowledging His kingdom in my life and giving it up? Am I dependent on Him for all that I need? Am I being forgiving? Am I relying on Him for His protection? And, and to say that it's easy would be a lie. It's not. Being, being ready for the things that, that Satan or the world uh, comes against us with um, isn't easy. And it takes a life of, of being dependent on God. It takes a life of when we make mistakes, confessing those mistakes. When we, make sin, when we have sin, it takes confessing that sin to one another and to God so that we can make sure that we're living a life that's in step with Jesus. And I just want to uh, just want to throw out um, these three gateways for evil to access that can access our life, like Jean was reading in 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And, and she mentioned, you read in there, that there's three things that you can do. Um, is you can love the world, you can have lust of the flesh or of the eyes and pride of life. And you know, I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit. This, this love for the world that, that John is talking about is, it means engaging and entertaining sinful lifestyles and practices and beliefs uh, that the world is in opposition to God and his word and his kingdom. The second, lust of the flesh and of the eyes, is that sinful, that sinful craving uh, and desire for things that oppose God and his word and his will. And, and so when we, give to our, when we give to our flesh or to our eyes, we lust, uh, you know, it, it's like lighting a match in the middle of a dry forest. It only takes one match for the whole forest to go up in flames and be destroyed. And when we practice sin, it wreaks devastation and havoc on ourselves and on people around us 
And obviously, it puts a barrier between us and God. And I can think of no other thing, no other, no other activity that harms so many people. And I, I just want to implore you that giving in to sin or addiction or to things that you know are wrong um, is an offense to God. And because it's an offense to God, um, you, if you don't live in repent, repentance to him, if you don't live walking towards him, you will be separated from him. And that third gateway, the pride of life, really having this idea that my that that my possessions or my status or the things that I love most are taking more of a priority than God. And I think that, like I said earlier, it takes honest assessment for us to evaluate these areas so that we can make sure that we're living in alignment with God's word so that we can walk in God's way and so that we can make sure that we're ready for the spiritual battle that's ahead because we have to be dependent on God. We have to be dependent on him to overcome evil. And uh, one of the ways that I've really benefited from from taking an inventory and confessing uh, and being alert is by having a group of people in my life who I have accountability with. And it doesn't have to be a whole group, but if it's just one person that you could go to and, and pray with and they could hold, hold you accountable to the life that God wants you to live and make sure that they're calling you, that they're they're encouraging you and that they're not letting you sit in a place that, that dishonors God or that hurts yourself or other people. So I just found that having that accountability really matters and it's really important. So as we get to draw to the end of this service, um, you know, we, we highlighted today as a day that we were going to celebrate our students who are going back to school, and it's just a weird year, right? Kids are going back to school virtually, and that is a real bummer. I, I can't imagine having to be, uh, you know, at home and having to do my schoolwork, because it would just be a real hard thing. There'd be a lot of other distractions that would keep me from being a productive student at this moment. But students, just know this, that we love you, and we care about you, and we want the best for you in this fight of overcoming evil. And in order to do that in your life, you've got you've to be soaking in God's word. You've got to be standing tall, standing firm with the truth and the knowledge of Jesus that God's word gives you. And that, and you can, the reason for that is because you can stand up against negative peer pressure. You can know God's comfort in your life when times are hard. And you can be aware when you hear lies. You can be aware when you hear instructions 
that go against God's word. And I'll just give you some freebies so that you don't have to wonder about it. But number one, evolution, okay? God created the world, hands down, no, no contest there. We know that. And evolution is not true. And it can't, you know, it's a theory even. They, they say they, they want me to use scientific model to reproduce uh, the results, but they can't do that. Okay, uh, how about this? There's, there are challenges where there's sexual education that challenges what God's word says is right and normative for relationships between a man and a wife. And the reality is, is that you need to be prepared for the things that people will try to tell you are okay and normal, and, and it's just not. And so I just want to encourage you to stand firm and to not believe that. And even when others fall, to know that you're rooted in God's word so that you won't. So that you won't live uh, in a way that goes against God's word. Because when you do that, you're going to reap the consequences of those choices and of those belief systems. But this isn't just students that I want to talk to today. It's also parents. Because parents, I love you. And I know that it's hard sometimes to, to make good decisions, to be, to be wise, and to know everything that you're supposed to do according to God's word, right? And we fall short because we're human beings. But here's the reality is, is that uh, you're responsible for protecting your children from evil. Whether that comes through the media that they consume, or their smartphones, or the people that have access to them, you are responsible for protecting your children from evil as much as is possible. And you do that by getting to know the kids, the people who you're who your children are spending time with, and how your kids are spending time. And you can also spend time together reading God's word and applying it to your family and to your life. And you know, for some of you who might have, for people who have smaller kids, it may just be as easy as, let's get a picture of Bible storybook and read some Bible stories at bedtime and pray together. For those of you who have older kids, you might be finding a devotional that your family can do together and being able to ask questions and to be able to pray together. And you know, you're like, I've got a really busy schedule. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. But the reality is I can promise you, being a product of parents who took time to invest in me, God's word and God's love, that it's, it's definitely worth it, okay? You will not, when you look in 10 or 15 or 20 years, on where, you, where your kids are, if you founded them, rooted them in the Word of God, you won't um, you you won't wish you had done anything else. Okay? So I just want to give you that encouragement of that, and just that real um, that real life application. Now, church, I know you aren't sleeping out there, and I know that you know that you're not getting off the hook, okay? Because Here's the reality, is that church, we, we have been silent sometimes when it comes to speaking against evil. We, we don't always speak up, and when we do that, people can see our silence 
as being complicit. Okay? Number one, I think we need to do a better job when we have people who have been who are saying, hey, we're we're Christian pastors or teachers or or even musicians who they stray from the faith, they stray from biblical doctrine, they go away from being uh, from being true to God's word. And we need to stand up to that with with grace and truth, but with accountability as well. Because there's way too many, uh, I'll just say it, there's just way too many Joel Osteen books out there marketed as Christian books when there's not any gospel in them. Um, and that's just one of them. The second thing is that the devil wants to drive a wedge of division in the church. Because when the devil can drive a wedge of division into the church, he can keep us from richly participating in God's kingdom work. And we can become inwardly focused and, and we become so nitpicky or we, we become so like pointed on pointing out differences than we do about making sure that we are finding the place in Christ where we can unite and where we can go together to worship to be true to God's word, and to reach other people with that same hope that we have. Because Jesus' hope for the church is to have unity. You read John 17. And the last thing is, is you know, we have been we have been silent at times about injustice. And you can apply that to many issues in our world today. But I I hope, I yearn for a church that truly that truly is able to speak prophetically to the culture about what forgiveness and reconciliation look like. You know? I truly pray for a church that won't be silent in the face of, of violence when it comes to people who are destroying things and whether, no matter where that's coming from. Okay? Because the reality is, is that our hope in is in the truth of reconciliation through the gospel. And we can apply that to uh, division when it comes to socioeconomics or to race or to gender. And, and the reality is, is that we, we need to bring the hope of the gospel in all of these places. And those don't look like human solutions. Okay? Those don't look like human solutions because what's been offered up so far, in my estimation, is very lacking. Or it just swings the inequality the other way. And we need, we need a hope and a truth and a reconciliation that's in Christ. And that's through God's word and through applying it in our relationships, applying it in how we, we operate within the systems and how we speak up against violence, how we speak up against anything that's in opposition to God's word. But it's evident in all of these examples that we cannot face evil alone. We're not meant to. We're not meant to do this life alone. We have God, right? We have God, and we have other people, too, that God has put in his body. And I'm so thankful for you guys because you guys remind me you guys remind me every time that I meet with you 
that we have to depend upon God. We have to depend on God and his power to defeat evil in the spiritual battle that we're experiencing. We have to depend upon God to give us a mission and a vision for our church and for our community. We have to depend on God for our very breath that comes out of us. And I'm thankful for each and every one of you who help remind me of that. Jesus, in this final, final piece of the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, Jesus' final affirmation in this prayer is that God's kingdom has all the power. God's kingdom has all the glory. God's kingdom lasts forever. Evil does not get the last word. Evil will not last forever. Praise God for that. Because if you look at the world without that hope, man, it, just, it just looks hopeless. And so I am so thankful that God's kingdom has all the power, has all the glory, and is lasting forever. And it's going to defeat evil. And I hope that as we move from this, this series on the Lord's Prayer into our series on Psalms next week, that you'll take some time. You'll just take some time to, to read through this prayer again, to read through your Psalms that are, that are on the calendar for this week, and just to be able to relish, to be able to find joy in that hope that God allows us to have a relationship with him where we can depend on him to overcome evil. So thank you.